This week at church, Pastor Robin McKinley begins the new summer series, A Summer of Faith. The writer of Hebrews tells us this, remember our suffering. He says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. You can join us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. on 426 Laurelwood Road in Pottstown. That's right by the Coventry Mall. Also, if this ministry has touched you in any way, please send us an email at info at c3pottstown.com. We'd love to hear from you. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Well, today we're going to start a new series. We're going to talk about faith for the summer. So we're going to call it a summer of faith. We want to talk about a faith that pleases God. To accomplish this, we first have to create an environment for our faith to grow and for it to mature. To passionately pursue God's patience, patience, presence, presence, it's vital that we create an environment of faith within our lives and within our church. So we need to create this environment that welcomes the Lord, and that's what we call an environment of faith. Not only does it take faith to enter into God's presence, because the Scriptures tell us in Ephesians, by grace you have been saved through faith. But it also takes faith to remain there. I mean, look at some of the things we can see in the Scriptures. By faith... Abraham was declared righteous. By faith, we can extinguish the Satan's fiery darts. By faith, we are delivered from the lion's mouth. By faith, healing takes place. And it's by faith that God is pleased. Therefore, it's by faith that we live our lives and it's by faith that we draw near to God. Also, when you look at the other side, our lack of faith displeases God, and it prevents Him from moving mightily within our lives. You see, if you look at the, the Hebrew children in the Old Testament, it was this lack of faith that prevented them from going into the promised land. In Hebrews, we see the writer of Hebrews quoting God, okay? He says, By my righteous one, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I will take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. So then the writer of Hebrews goes on now and says, But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. So the writer of Hebrews was quoting what Habakkuk had said God said, telling us not to be like that generation of Jews that started out by faith, but they fell along the way. Even though God promised them the land of Canaan, they never set their foot in it. Instead, they died in the wilderness. Why? Because of their lack of faith. You know, faith is more than just saying, I believe in God. I mean, 
read James. James tells us that demons believe God and they shudder. Faith in God is when our hearts draw near to Him, it's when we receive His promises and we act accordingly. We can all know about what the Bible says. I mean, I know people that they, they got the Bible stories down pat. They can tell you the Bible stories in and out. But there has to be an application of the, what the Scripture says to our lives. And if this application, which is faith, is missing, it creates an environment within us that can result in us falling back to our old ways in the world. You see, when that happens, the environment of faith within our lives, within our homes, has faded away. So today we're going to take a look at the book of Joshua. If you want to turn there, Joshua chapter 23. There is a faith that is revealed in Joshua's parting words as he speaks to the generation coming behind him. Verse 14 in Joshua chapter 23 says this, Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord gave you has failed. How's that for a track record? Every promise He gave was carried through. By faith Joshua drew near to God, and by faith Joshua remained there. Now let's take a look at verse 1 in Joshua chapter 23. It said, After a long time had passed... And the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies round about them. Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all of Israel, their elders, their leaders, the judges, officials, and said to them, I am very old. Let me just take you back to chapter 1. Chapter 1 is where Joshua takes over in leadership of the nation of Israel. Moses is dead now, and the children of Israel have not come into the promised land. God speaks to Joshua, says, I want you to lead them into the promised land. You know, most of you know the story about they marched around the city of Jericho seven days. And the last day they marched seven times. Walks came tumbling down. And God's people were victorious. Okay, that was the start. And this now is Joshua is an old man and he's talking to the people that are coming up behind him. So, we're going to hear some sound advice from this leader who has lived through it and is now passing down the secret of creating an environment of faith to grow and mature. So, I'm starting your notes now if you'd like to follow along with your notes. Verse 3 says this, You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all the nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. So the first point we want to look at is remember God's past intervention. Remember God's past intervention. Joshua is telling them to look back and think about all the things that God had done. I mean Joshua remembers back in his younger days when he was a slave to the Egyptians how God through many mighty miracles delivered them 
out of bondage. The ten plagues. Uh, this included the parting of the Red Sea. Joshua remembered the manna that came down from heaven. He saw water gushing out of the rock and how God's presence went with them, a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night. Joshua also remembered the people's rebellion of unbelief, how God prohibited them from entering the promised land. And Joshua remembered how God parted the Jordan River. I just told you about that to go into the uh, promised land for the first time. And he brought down the walls of Jericho. Many of their victories came because of their obedience. Now, if we want to create an environment of faith in order to stay in the presence of God, we've got to remember what he has done in our lives, both good and bad. The writer of Hebrews tells us this, remember our suffering. He says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Remember those times, because we know that God was in those times. Also, we are to remember the promises as well. In James chapter 1, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. God's grace flows through faith in His promises. Not, not keeping the commandments. Now, the commandments are there to teach us and to guide us. But the faith comes in obedience to what God is speaking to us especially when it comes to loving Him and loving one another. Our problem is we become so preoccupied with our problems, we forget about God's promises. We forget about God's blessings. We forget about the things that He's already done for us. Do you have something to thank God for? Things that might not be going so well for you today, in fact, things right now for you might just plain stink. Think about when He did bless you. Give Him praise. This has got to be the starting point, friends. Open up your heart and open up your mouth and express your gratitude. To create an, an environment of faith, we don't have to live in the past. In fact, we shouldn't live in the past. But we can remember what God has done for us and move from there. Create an environment of faith. This leads us to the second aspect of how to create an environment of faith. Take a look. Verse 4 says, Remember how I have allotted you, allotted as an inheritance for your tribes, all the land of the nations that remain. The nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the west. The Lord your God Himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. So the second thing I want to talk to you about is anticipate God's future intervention. Remember the things He's done for you in the past. Anticipate the things He's going to do in the future. 
Joshua could have lived out his latter years content with what he had accomplished, but he wasn't. Instead, we see Joshua still trusting God's promises. Even though they were living in the land, it still hadn't been fully conquered. And they were kind of growing a little complacent. They were growing a little comfortable. Now, if we're honest, there's still a lot within our lives that we haven't conquered. Things that, they're not the way God would have us to to do them, the, the way God would have us to live. So, we have to create that environment of faith by rooting out the enemy and rooting out all those things that hinder our coming into God's presence and then anticipate God's future promises. God wants to intervene in a mighty way. He wants to intervene in our future with Him. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Faith believes God's promises, even though we haven't seen them yet. I mean, my, the best illustration I could give for that is how many are looking forward to going to heaven? Just a few of you? <laughs> how many seen heaven? No, you're doing that by faith. It's one of those realities that you are hoping for that, and one day you will see that. Therefore, to create an environment of faith, we must possess a spirit of anticipation, a belief that God will keep His promises and do something wonderful through them. It's anticipating God's intervention in the future. Well, the third aspect of creating this environment of faith is allow God's presence, allow God's present intervention. Allow Him to do something right now. Allow Him to work in your life right this minute. Now, there are three things that Joshua brings out that we need to take a look at. Take a look at verse 6. It says, Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that's written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. So the first one here in the present intervention is obey God. Obey God. Obey, obedience is central throughout Joshua's life. At the very beginning, before they even entered the promised land, he encouraged the people to obey God's Word. Listen to what he says in chapter 1. Meditate on God's Word day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything that's written in it. Now, we, we can live by that. We can live by Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Or we can live by what Jesus says, which covers all of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. We can love God more than anything else in the whole world. And we can love one another. Because Jesus says that's rule one and rule two. Hang in those two rules, and that covers everything that Joshua is saying here. Meditate on God's Word, day and night. 
well, I, I love God and I love people, but I'm just a little bit confused about this and this and that. Then get into the Word and get rid of your confusion. That's what Joshua's saying. Meditate on God's Word. Get rid of that confusion. If you need to go back to the old one, Paul says that's okay because that's our schoolmaster. That will teach us. You want to go to Paul's writing? All of Paul's writing is telling us this is how you remain a Christian. This is how you do it. Get into the Word so you can obey what is written in it. Obedience to God's Word is central in everything we do. Every decision that you make, it's not something we just do on Sundays. I remember someone made a comment. They didn't make it to me, but it came back to me. That preacher can tell me what to do on Sundays, but the rest of the week I can do what I want. That guy almost got himself in trouble. He almost had a lawsuit against him. Not from me. From something that he figured he could do on his own. At the very beginning, before they entered the promised land, Joshua encouraged them, obey the word of God. God places a premium on our obedience, allowing it to strengthen our faith. And it brings blessing upon our life. How many here would rather live your life without any blessings? That's what I thought. Then obey God, and the blessings will pour in on you. Now, does that mean everything's going to be peachy cream? You know something? Things might not be, circumstances might not go well with you, and you can still be blessed. We can still be blessed. The reason we have difficulty in obeying God, though, is because it confronts our sin. And our desire to live according to our set of rules is not in line with the obedience God wants us to follow. So it's either our sin or it's the little box we want to put God in so we can follow our own rules. You see, obedience runs contrary to our culture of independence. You know what the culture of independence is? I have the right to do this, and I have the right to do that, and you know something? I mean, rights at all. All of our rights as Christians fall on our Savior, Jesus Christ, and He gives us permission to do a whole lot of stuff. There's a battle that rages in our lives between our self-centered rebellion and God-centered obedience. Friends, let the God-centered obedience win in your life. To allow God to intervene in our present, we've got to obey His Word. Well, let's move on. That's the first one, obedience. Verse 7, take a look. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. Now, when I first got into ministry, a verse like that was pretty obsolete. We lived in a nation that was considered a godly nation. We had a real Bible belt. We had people that respected the church and respected the uh, clergy. But this verse here can be exactly 
what's going on around us right now. And we're talking about back in Joshua's day. So what is the point behind this? The point is, be holy. Be holy. What does it mean to be holy? To separate ourselves. Separate ourselves to God to create an environment of faith. We need to separate ourselves, separate ourselves from sin and from the things of this world. Now, this separation isn't biased or racially motivated. These people that Joshua was talking about served foreign gods, and they practiced things that went directly against God's word. Today, God is calling for the same sort of separation. Even though we live in, in the world, the world isn't supposed to live in us. Now, this type of preaching, the world would say, is preaching of hatred. There's nothing hatred about it. We're told to love everybody, no matter where they're at in life. But we're also told not to consume ourselves with the things that a sinful world consumes themselves with. So the Apostle Paul tells us that we've got to not, we're not to love the world or anything that is connected to it. Here's what he says in 1 John chapter 2. Do not love this world nor any of the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Let me just throw a little commercial out right now. Guys, we are studying 1 John and the men's uh, Bible study on Wednesday nights. It's right up here at Gary's house, right beside the uh, ice cream parlor. If you make a mistake and go to the ice cream parlor first, that's fine. Get your ice cream and then come over, okay? Um, but uh, th- this is what we're studying right now, the, the love of God and being the children of God. So Paul says that we're not supposed to love the world or be connected to the things of the world. Whenever we speak about separation, people get uncomfortable with that, thinking that that will make me a fanatic. But a separate Christian is one who lives in the presence of God, is someone who loves God and wants nothing less than to live uprightly in His presence. That's what it's talking about. You can love people and still love God. I mean, God loves everybody. Now, not everybody's going to get to heaven because of choices they make. Well, here's what James tells us. James says, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Be holy. Love God. In everything you do, love God. Well, let's, let's move on. Verse 11, he says, So be very careful to love the Lord your God. Well, if we're going to have an environment of faith, we need to allow God to intervene in our present life And we do this by obeying His Word. We do this by being holy people. 
And thirdly, follow God. Follow Him. Failure to obey God's Word and maintain those standards of separation can be traced back to our failure to fully follow God. That is, having a heart that's fully in love with Him. Here's what Jesus says. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Take a moment and think about what God wants to do in your life, what He wants to accomplish in your life. Don't be like that generation who failed and had to be out in the wilderness. They couldn't get in the promised land because of unbelief. Don't miss the opportunity that God has set before you today. Follow Him. With sincere hearts, let's draw near to God by faith, completely trusting in Him. Let's hold on to what we profess as truth. We possess the Holy Spirit. We possess the saving grace of Jesus. We possess the Father in all His fullness. Let's profess that as truth within us, knowing that the Lord who has promised is faithful to complete it. He's faithful to complete it. So it comes down to a choice. And that's what faith is all about. Faith is a choice. And I want to read a scripture out of Deuteronomy. Here's what the Lord says. Look today, I am giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. Right there. I'm giving you a choice between a blessing and a curse. You will, ha- you will be blessed if you obey my commands, uh, the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. But you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from Him and worship gods you have not known before. And we do that. Oh, not the gods of the Old Testament. Not the gods that they might have buildings set up and pictures of whoever. But gods that we create for ourselves. Gods that we've never known before. He says, it's your choice. Blessing or curse. And so, this, as this summer moves on, we want to talk about creating an environment of faith. And to do that, let's start out by remembering God's past intervention. Anticipate God's future intervention. And allow for God's present intervention. By obeying the Word, being holy, and loving God with all of our hearts. Following Jesus as a fully devoted and sold out disciple. Where are you at in that today, friends? Where are you at? Does life stink right now? Is life not going the way you'd like it to go? Think about the time that He blessed you. Start there. Thank you, Lord. You see, what that does is that helps to build your faith for today. If you can start there. You know, my wife and I lived for eight years on the evangelistic road. We didn't charge to do services. Churches just paid whatever they wanted to pay us. 
we had some goals that we wanted to accomplish and we also had bills that we needed to pay. And I remember one time we had gone to this church and the church says, well, we wanted to send you more money, but we didn't get as much as we wanted to send you. So we're going to send you a check. We had that happen one time before. And I want to tell you something. It was not a lot of money. So, you know, you didn't, you weren't real crazy about a church saying, we'll send you a check. But we got in the car and we started, we actually had a little time off. And we went to my mom and dad's. And Cindy said to me, she says, that church is going to send us $1,000. I said, now this is usually her line to me, okay? When I come up with ideas, I said, you're nuts. There is no way that church is going to send us $1,000. Well, she didn't let that set. She kept that going. She said to my mom, we're expecting a letter from this church. And she said the name of it. And she says, I believe God is going to bless us with a $1,000 check in that envelope. And I made the mistake of saying, boy, she's really hoping, isn't she? Oh, man, when she got me alone, did I hear a sermon on that? What do you mean hope for? Here I am trying to minister faith to your parents. <laughs> well, the check came. And it wasn't for $1,000. It was for like $1,024. And uh, every time we had a financial disaster that we thought was coming our way, we would go back to that check that came in the mail. We would go back and say, God, you provided it for us. That one time, we know that you're the provider. And every time we would start to worry about finances, and we go back to that moment when we opened that envelope, it was like God saying, why did you worry to start with? And we would ask ourselves that question, why did we worry to start with? And it's not just finances, it's anything that's happened in your life. I know that one time I was playing catch with my brother with the football, and I was running down and he threw me the ball and I was just about ready to pull it in and my foot went down in a hole and, and boy did I sprain my ankle. Boy did I sprain my ankle. I hobbled across the road to where my spiritual mom and dad lived. They lived across the road from us. And I walked around and there's Doris at the kitchen sink praying and crying and saying, God, what am I here for? And God used that moment for both of us. He used that moment for Doris to let her know she was a prayer warrior and he wanted her to be a prayer warrior and she needs to never question him again. And he used that moment with me because she laid hands on my ankle and I walked out of there that day. So now when something happens in my life, 
physically, I can go back to that moment and I can make that my starting point. God, you healed me before. I know you're the healer. And you can move on. And then anticipate. We can anticipate what God is going to do in the future because of what he's done in the past. Because of how he speaks to our hearts. And it all comes down to where we are today. Are you obeying God? Are you living a life of holiness, separation? Are you being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? This is where we're going this summer, friends. Faith. Faith. Maybe you need a faith boost. As Chris leads us in a song, why don't we all stand? And if you need to come to this altar, maybe you don't even have an experience that you can go back to. Today will be that experience. Lord, this is what I need in my life. I hear the testimony of our pastor. I see what you've done in his life. You can do the same thing in my life. Come, come.